We, uh, since Easter time, have been looking at kind of the, the chronological period in which the Lord is doing all that he did between his resurrection and his ascension. And that's a 40-day period after Easter. And, and so we looked at many of the encounters that Jesus had with his disciples uh, in those 40 days, uh, at least what we have record of. And it's fascinating to realize all that he's doing and saying and teaching them. And then, of course, he ascended on the 40th day, which was about 10 days before Pentecost Sunday. And Pentecost Sunday, then we looked at the power of the Holy Spirit, and that was a few weeks ago. Then two weeks ago, we looked at Father's Day, which was an important time. And last week, um, the Lord wouldn't let me get away without talking about our Christian response to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Uh, And I appreciate your prayers. I've had a lot of people come up and say that they are grateful for that message, and uh, I'm grateful the Lord got me through it. Uh, So, But we're going to begin starting this week and going probably for much of the fall time up until Advent, uh, looking at the book of Acts. Um, And it's it's a fascinating book. If we were to look at it verse by verse and go through it that way, we would probably be studying it for... I don't know, four or five years, and so we're not going to do that. We are going to look at episodes in the book itself and, and how the Lord shows himself strong. You know, it's oftentimes called the Acts of the Apostles, but I would propose that it's more accurately called the Acts of the Risen Lord Jesus. And you could then put an addendum, the Acts of the Risen Lord Jesus by his Holy Spirit in and through his people. There's a whole lot going on, and we certainly see people that are acting, but they're only acting out of the initiation, the engagement, and the power that Jesus started. And so we'll look at many of those stories over the next several months, and uh, in particular, we want to understand that Acts makes it abundantly clear that as followers of Jesus, we need the Holy Spirit. As followers of Jesus, we need the Holy Spirit. Jesus took a fledgling group of 120 followers and he baptized them with the Spirit. It had been promised by the Father. And Jesus sent the Spirit just as he said he would. And they, that group of 120, were forever changed. And they changed the world. They were lit on fire, they were infused with power, and they were propelled into mission. It all started on the day of Pentecost, which we're about to look at the verses that describe that. And it caused such a stir, such a commotion, that it drew a huge crowd from those that had gathered in Jerusalem for the festival or the feast of Pentecost, which was 50 days, Penta 50, 50 days after Passover was the festival or feast of Pentecost. And, and many pilgrims would come to the city to celebrate that time. And so while many were there, thousands in the city that normally didn't reside, something disruptive happened with these 120 followers of Jesus. It was loud, it was disruptive, it was ecstatic, Because the people that were disciples were actually accused of being drunk, even though it had been nine o'clock, only nine o'clock in the morning. Now, you guess you could be drunk at nine o'clock in the morning, 
But most of the people that are drunk at nine are just passed out somewhere. So they're not near as gregarious as this group had been. And so we pick up what Luke's description of this event, this moment in Acts 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language and they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language? Some people uh, in the church see this moment as the start of the church, the beginning, and I can certainly understand why this is a very significant day. But I personally believe that it's more of the empowering and commissioning of the church and not the start of it, especially when you see how God's people have always been connected to Abraham and the promise given to him and to Moses and to King David and to the prophets. But whether you see this moment as the start or a continuation, it's clear that things have drastically changed. Something's new. They have just been baptized, immersed, filled, engulfed in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, the very Spirit of God, they have been baptized with that Spirit. Not the spirit of wine or alcohol, the spirit of God. And it it doesn't stop there because it burst out into the streets. And in that day, after an amazing message that Peter gives, which is fascinating in itself, in and of itself, because this is the guy that just a few weeks earlier had been denying Jesus. And now he's being filled with the spirit and being used of God and 3,000 are added to their number that very day. And it keeps going. It just keeps on growing. They continue to live in their mission and that mission has continued all the way up to today. It is still our mission given to us where we now are called to incarnate the life of Christ. And we are called to demonstrate his power to a dying and dark world. And we are called to proclaim the gospel, the good news of his kingdom, that there's a new king in town. We're to do that throughout the whole earth. While Pentecost was a singular day in the moment of the life of the church, it was not the only time the Holy Spirit filled people and empowered lives and and changed things. In fact, the Spirit... (laughs) He seems to be breaking in on them all over the book of Acts. I mean, you can just go and flip any page and you're going to see activity of the Holy Spirit in this book. 
Like in chapter 4, after Peter and John, they were on their way to the temple and this lame man has, was begging for alms and they, and they tried to get their attention and Peter turns to him and he says, uh, silver and gold have I none, but what I have, let me give it to you. And he prays for him and this lame man, strength comes to his legs and he jumps up and now he's healed and this causes quite a stir. The religious leaders didn't like it, and they arrested Peter and John and brought them before them, and they said, under what authority do you heal this man? This man, how, What authority do you have to do so? Just a hilarious question. Does it matter? The man's walking. You couldn't heal him for a long time. You walked past him every day you went to the temple. At any rate, Peter, the Bible says, was filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how he was described. And he responds with such great boldness, they're mesmerized and bewildered again that such an uneducated man from Galilee would be speaking like this, which makes me realize how erroneous it is for people to assume that educated people are the ones that really know God. It doesn't take education to know God. It takes his spirit. It takes the spirit of God filling us after being released, Peter and John, they go back to the other disciples and they report all that's been happening and they start to pray again and they're all together again, just like on the day of Pentecost. And they start praying and what they're praying for is even more boldness to speak. I mean, Peter's been really bold and now he's asking for more boldness and for power to heal and to perform signs and wonders. And you know what happens? The Spirit answered their prayer. He does it again in Acts 4, 31. This is what it says. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. And what about that young man, Stephen? We've heard his story, right? In Acts 6. This is a young man that the Bible says was full of faith and full of of the Holy Spirit. May that be said of our young people. Full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. We know his story. He's the first Christian martyr. And a, and a conflict arises in Acts 6. And it says of him in verse 8, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. And then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, it, as it was called, and of the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians and those from Cilicia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit, capital S. And the Holy Spirit with which he was speaking. And you remember the story about Peter standing before Cornelius. Do you remember that story? Fascinating how it happens. I mean, he's in Joppa praying on a rooftop and he's in Joppa because a few days before this young disciple named Tabitha, Tabitha, excuse me, Tabitha has died and they call for Peter because he's nearby and he comes to them and she's laid out dead and he sends them all out of... Whoa. Maybe the Holy Spirit's here. <laughs> I don't know what just happened. 
Do we know? Power surge, okay. The Holy Spirit, I guess. I feel like I need to sit down right now. And so he sends him out of the room, and he, and he goes in, and he starts praying, and she's raised from the dead. Tabitha, in Joppa. And so Peter's hanging out there in Joppa. I would too. Man, if I just raised somebody from the dead, I'm going to hang out there for a while too. See what else the Lord might do. And he's up praying, and the Lord gives him a vision, and down lowers the sheet in this vision with all sorts of animals he's not supposed to eat. And he hears this voice that says, rise, kill and eat, Peter. And he's like, no, 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 Lord, I know that's not allowed for me as a good Jewish man. And God says to him, don't call unclean what I call clean, which is a whole message right in there and of itself. And so it happens three times, and as he's doing it, he says, you're about to hear someone come get you, and they do, and they send him to, to uh, take him to Cornelius' house, who is a Roman centurion, but in the process, the Holy Spirit falls on, on Cornelius' house, and all of them are saved, and all of them are filled with the Spirit. And here's how Peter describes it when he's defending it to a whole bunch of Judaizers, Acts eleven fifteen, And as I began to speak... The Holy Spirit fell on them just as on us at the beginning. On Gentiles, not on Jews, on Gentiles. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And in case you think this only happens in Peter's life, think about what happened with Paul in Acts 19, verse 1. And it happened that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. When I read that the first time, I thought, it sounds like a lot of churches today. Not even sure there is a Holy Spirit. I, I digress. And Paul said to them, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And John said, John excuse me, Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him. That is Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, look, it happens again. The Holy Spirit came on them. And they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. There were about 12 men in all. Listen, the Holy Spirit likes breaking in on his people. I hope he does it again and again and again. May he do it among us over and over and over again. He likes breaking in on his church and he does it throughout this book of Acts, which is an indicator that it should be happening even today. But on that day of Pentecost, we see it specifically happening in a very special kind of way. In fact, there's three specific things that we see very clearly. The first is they hear a sound. They hear a sound. It's, it's like the blowing of a violent wind, a gale, a mighty rushing wind. Have you ever heard the sound of wind? 
so loud that you could not speak or hear yourself talk? You live in New Mexico where the wind blows all the time, most of the time 50 miles an hour, not quite, but it feels like it. That You get caught up in wind where it's just like all around you and it's a sound. It causes a rustling, whatever trees are there. It causes just this whirl that goes through the air and you hear it as it comes past you and you can get caught up in it. And that's what happened. They heard a sound. It wasn't metaphorical. It wasn't allegorical. It was a sound. And they heard it in this room and it stirred them. A lot of, a lot of Bible scholars see this as a, as a reenactment of the trumpet blast that was made when they received the law on Mount Sinai. And that would be cool if it is. I like to think of it as the fulfillment of Ezekiel's, his, his, his prophecy, right? His vision of the dry bones. You remember those bones that they're all dry and dead in a valley and the Lord starts speaking and they start being assembled together into men and then the spirit breathes life into them. One thing is for certain, Every person on this day in that upper room was baptized in the Holy Spirit. All 120 of them. Not just Peter, James, and John. Not just all the Marys that were at the crucifixion. Not just the 12 apostles, but all of them. All of them received the Spirit. The second sign that we see is a visible sign. They've heard a sound and now they see something visible. It's tongues of fire. I don't know exactly what this looks like. Fire lapping down and breaking up into these sections that rest on each of these followers' head. And this is a demonstration, a visible demonstration of them dividing and resting on each one. And it's as if to relive the thunder and lightning that also happened on Mount Sinai when they received the law. You see, I love how everything in the New Testament has been pointed to by things that happened in the old. When you see that, you begin to realize the continuity of God's plan all along. And so their understanding that something visible is happening, but maybe an even greater thing that happened is the fulfillment of John the Baptist's prophecy. When he spoke in Luke 3, 16, he said, I baptize you with water, but he who is mightier than I is coming, the straps of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John says Jesus will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. We baptize people in water. Up there behind that screen is a, is a tank. Uh, when we're not using it, you know, some of the boy with the ballers use it as a jacuzzi. Um, no, they don't. But it's nice, it's heated, and we raise that screen up, and people that want to walk into baptism waters to follow the Lord, we do that. We do that in obedience to the Lord. But what he's talking about here is not that. He's talking about an immersion into the Spirit and into fire. Now, a lot of Christians distinguish between these two baptisms. They see that it is a baptism of the Holy Spirit and a baptism with fire, believing they're two different things. 
Their belief is that baptism of fire speaks of the final judgment. And I, I can kind of see how it does because judgment certainly includes fire. But I believe fire also comes with the Spirit to purify the ones that are being baptized in the Spirit. And while the unquenchable fire of the Spirit will one day burn up all the chaff, it, it also will send fire to make us fruitful in the day that we live. And it all reminds me of something that Leonard Ravenhill once said about fire. He said, we are often warned of false fire by fireless men. And then we too often settle for no fire at all. I thought it was interesting because most people that I hear talking about strange fire are the ones that are not sure they believe in fire. They don't think that it's even relevant for today. Much of the modern church is settling for no fire at all. No spirit activity. Yet reports from all over the globe will help you indicate that the spirit is very much active today. All over Africa, all over Asia, all over the Middle East, all over continents that we can't even get full reporting from, the Spirit of God is baptizing people with his power and his fire. I want to be fire people. I don't want to be called fireless people. The final manifestation is of the Spirit, or of the Spirit, is that they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Some of my fondest memories growing up, when I was seven years old, my parents got filled with the Holy Spirit, and it radically changed our lives. It redirected, they were probably on the verge to divorce and splitting up our family, and they had all sorts of issues that they would be happy to tell you about. I'll try not to do it right now because they're sitting right over there. But the Holy Spirit filled them with his spirit, and it changed them. And they begin to walk out things that was so powerful. And one of my fondest memories is as just a six and seven year old kid is falling asleep in prayer meetings that we went to all the time. I think we lived at prayer meetings more than we did at home. But I loved it because I would fall asleep to these wonderful saints that I grew up with, that I grew and respected. I would hear them praying in the spirit and praying in tongues. And you know what that did for me? Is that it enmeshed me. It immersed me into the things of the spirit. And I am so grateful for that. I hope your children will have that opportunity. I hope your kids will hear you praying and praying in the spirit. Because it will make a difference. It will set something for them. I also remember the privilege of praying with our dear beloved brother John pastor of this church for 27 years. And if you prayed with him, you know this to be true. He always started praying in the spirit, in tongues, before he started praying in a language he could understand. He always did. There was a lot of praying in the spirit. And our dear friend, Wayne Williams, Abby and James's dad, who went home to be with the Lord last year, he told me in the last several years that the Lord had been putting on his heart to spend much more time praying in the Spirit, believing that he was being used of the Spirit to accomplish something that he could not yet know. However, I think he probably knows now. 
And more recently, I've heard many in our church where the Holy Spirit has been coming upon them. And I, I don't want to embarrass anybody, but if you would have listened to Judah Latoni's testimony at camp when he stood right up here just a week ago now, and he talked about in worship how the Holy Spirit came upon him and how he learned how to pray in tongues. You said that, right? Thumbs up? Okay, good. I'm not making it up, am I? No? Good, all right. Or go listen to Kevin's testimony. Kevin Williams, who's been in church most of his life, and just a few years ago, the Lord baptizes him in the Spirit. And the way he has come into life in the Spirit and shared it with his home group and others that will want to listen, his life is different because the Spirit has filled him. And those are just two examples of people that are in our church that are being filled in a new kind of way and brought into a new kind of life. Every one of them in this upper room, every one of them was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were immersed in this tsunami of spirit activity. It was something they couldn't control. They just had to get in and go with it. They were lit on fire with purpose and they couldn't stay silent. They had to bust out of that room because it was too good to hold within. They were speaking of the mighty works of God in languages they themselves could not understand. But all these people from all the nations of the world, they could because it was their native tongue. We live in a world every bit as troubled as that world in their day. Maybe more troubled. And yet the condition of the world doesn't limit the power and fire of the Holy Spirit. He is here. He has been moving among us in these last few months in a very powerful, special way. My challenge to you is just don't discount it. Don't discredit it. Don't put it aside. If you're stirred at all, it's for you too. All you have to do is to seek him and to earnestly desire what he would do and to have faith enough to step into what he might ask of you. It doesn't require education. It does require faith. We have the same Holy Spirit, the same fire that changed the world in their day. He's the same spirit who will change the world in ours. We have the same spirit, the same fire that can alter men and nations. We have the same spirit, the same fire that can replace truth with falsehood. We have the same spirit, the same fire that can give strength to the weak, hope to the hopeless, love to those who feel unloved. We have the same Holy Spirit that can change our world. Today, my encouragement to you, especially as we begin this study, is to earnestly seek his spirit and desire that he fill you afresh. Amen. Donna is going to come, and we're going to gather at the Lord's table this morning. And it's probably the best kind of way for us to end today's gathering. So Donna is going to share a few moments.
Then we're going to ask those that will be sharing it, communion, to come to get your, your elements and go to your stations. I loved all the words that you used um, to talk about the Holy Spirit's invading us, being immersed, baptized, engulfed. There are tons and tons of words that you could think of to describe how the Holy Spirit has impacted your life. Um, but the ones that I really appreciate are being controlled and constrained. Hmm. I think it's fascinating that the one Holy Spirit can do both of those things, the push and the pull. Yeah. And trust me, if you knew me, you'd know they're both very necessary. <laughs> um, but there's a verse in 2 Corinthians um, that uses this concept of compel and constrain. And I want to read that really quickly for us before we pray. Either way, Christ's love controls us. It compels us. Because we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. I'd like you to say that with me. I have died. I have died. To my old life. To my old life. If there's anything today that isn't dead and needs to be, mm. if there's anything today that isn't alive but needs to be, the Holy Spirit is able. And when you take communion, you're saying yes to God. Yeah. You're saying you get to do whatever you want in me, even the stuff I don't really understand. <laughs> and that can be kind of scary. Yeah. I'm saying yes to that. So I just encourage you today to be done with the old and to receive the new. That's good. I'm gonna ask those that are serving at the Lord's table to come. We have four groupings and gather a tray and of, of wine and also a tray of the bread. And we're gonna pray for us and then for these elements the bread, which is the body of our Lord Jesus, and the cup of the new covenant, which is his blood, shed for the remission of our sins. And after we've prayed, we're going to encourage you to come and to gather up with other people. You may not know anybody else here, but if you're in Christ, you belong to him, then he's invited you to this table. This is not our table. This is not our church's table. This is his table. And so if you belong to him, then you belong here. And you also belong with all those other people that may be standing around you because <laughs> they're with him. So we'll ask you to come and be in groups of four, six, eight, sometimes more, and just circle around these different couples uh, and they'll share with you these elements as we gather at his table. Let's pray together. Father, we acknowledge that you have provided absolutely everything that we need. And we don't always get the benefit of what you've provided. So today I ask that as we come to your table and we receive your life, that anyone here who needs more or some yeah. or any of the Holy Spirit, yes. that their hearts would be open 
and that even as they take these elements in faith, that you would visit them with your power. Yes. That you would come in like a mighty wind and sweep our hearts clean, clean from selfishness, clean from sin. That you would come in with tongues of fire, that we would be emboldened to say only the things that you say. Yes. And Father, that we would be compelled and constrained by the Holy Spirit. Yes. That we would be good and effective witnesses of the wonder of you, yes. of the power of you. Father, thank you for taking us as we are and then doing everything that is required not to leave us there. Yes, Lord. But to transform us and translate us and discipline us and mold us and even break us when needed mm. so that you can form us anew. Yes, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us to be able to stand in your presence, to receive your spirit. Mm. That you would hang yourself on a cross, willingly go there as a sacrifice for us, that you would give your own body that we could have life in you. As we break this bread and eat, we remember you and the price that you paid. And as we take the cup of the new covenant, which is the blood of Jesus, shed for us for the remission of our sins, we re-enlist. Yes. We remember. We refocus on the price you paid that we could be in you. Wash our sins, Lord. Any unrighteousness that's in us, cleanse us of all of that. And let these things that we gather here to do be an altar in our lives even as we go forth this day. Yes, Lord. Now, Lord, as we're gathering at the table, we ask that your spirit would be with us and fill us, and baptize us even. Give us a fullness of your spirit in the way we live. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.